I'm Jeff MacArthur, back on this Wednesday, and joining us as always, vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, we're going to start with the breaking news out of the UK. Prime Minister Boris Johnson announcing that face masks will no longer be mandatory in public places, vaccine passports no longer required for large events. What do you make of this announcement, Dr. Gorfinkel? Is it somewhat surprising or do you think the timing is right? Let me let me describe that in one word. I would have said conflagration, constellation of problems, politics intersecting negatively with the medical science. Can't we just stick with the medical science and, and wear whatever political hat we want to? Must we mix these definitions up? It's a serious problem as case numbers are rising, as hospitalizations in turn are rising. I get Omicron is a milder disease, at least in the short run. However, it is reckless to just say, drop everything, go back to normal life. We can't fight it because guess what? Hospitalizations are becoming out of control. Hospitalized, you know, beds are filled. ICU beds are filling up. Are we just to ignore that? Okay, so is this going to set, do you think, a bit of a troubling precedent? Do you think other countries might be forced to follow suit? I know Premier Ford here in Ontario hinting yesterday that good news is ahead. And not that we're looking at things, at least it doesn't sound as if, like we're going to drop masking requirements in public spaces and that sort of thing. But is the time right here to maybe follow the UK's lead and start rolling back some of our uh, restrictions? Certainly not just yet, and certainly not nearly as recklessly. And I say reckless because if we do anything, you know, when case numbers fall and we're certain of that, and we are not certain of that just yet, as kids are just now returning to school, we have to see what we're going to do and do it very gradually in small increments. Wait a couple of weeks to see the effects of that. Because if we were just to throw the doors wide open and do whatever we want, fill the restaurants, fill the retail stores, go back to the gyms full throttle, what's going to happen is we might see case numbers that, that go even higher than that and overwhelm our hospitals even more. And need I remind people that, you know, basically what's going on? You know, healthcare workers ourselves are getting sick and in droves. You look at what's going on in long-term care, 4,000 workers out. I myself went into code orange last week. We could only offer, you know, virtual services because we were all sick with Omicron. And that was confirmed, actually. We were the lucky few to get that confirmed. So now what do we do? You know, we cannot afford to just fling the doors open and pretend, oh, there's no disease out there because there is. And let's not conflate the politics the politics of what's going on with the medical science. The medical science is very clear on what we need to do. Well, having said that, again, we see the UK uh, talking about, uh, I mean, this is more than just easing restrictions, dropping face mask requirements and vaccine passports. In BC, they're opening up gyms uh, once again. But you believe uh, Premier Ford, if he steps up to the mic uh, later this week, maybe on Friday, and maybe announces something similar like gyms are back open, anything other than status quo right now is a move in the wrong direction, do you think, according to medicine and according to the science? What I would say is is that if we see clear evidence that case numbers are coming down, and I'm not absolutely convinced we do, take a look at Ontario's dashboard. Take a look at the numbers. It's encouraging. Case counts have dropped by 20% in the last week. 
But just saying, could that be because of a lack of testing? Of course it could be. We, you know, only one of us had access to testing last week. Most people cannot get their hands on any tests, not PCR and not even rapid tests, at least not without great expense. So that could be the result of that. But case numbers could become, there is another positive sign here, and that is in wastewater. As it turns out, when people are infected with COVID-19, they actually excrete, that's right, in their stool, SARS-CoV-2 virus. And so looking at wastewater can give a, an accurate measure of how common it is within a community. They can even do that in a single building and they can tell what variant it is. Now this is okay. a person specific, yes? Yeah, but I was gonna ask, so are we using that to its greatest effect right now in the province? Because, and we were talking about this off the top of the show, we had the health minister and the uh, Ontario's top doctor, Dr. Kieran Moore, at a press conference earlier today, using words like glimmers of hope. There's glimmers of hope uh, now. So do we know from maybe examining uh, wastewater and you know, your point is well taken about the lack of testing uh, right now and available uh, tests, do we even know where we are right now when it comes to the uh, Omicron surge? So what we know from the limited studies that have been done in wastewater, and it is too, it, it's actually premature to make that you know, conclusion that, but, but the fact is in the wastewater, the numbers are going down and that's encouraging, but it's not a strong enough signal, nor has it been with us long enough to say that case numbers are for sure going down in Ontario. But it's encouraging that the signals that we're seeing look good so far. And that's as far as we can take it. So what would be nice to see is fewer hospitalizations because that's an objective measure. And of course they're watching that, but the problem with looking at just hospitalizations is that it does not tell us about what's happening as far as community spread goes. You know how many people are coming in the hospital, but you don't know how many people on the outside are actually having the infection. Wastewater does that. Could we be using it more? I think we could be. But that said, you know, it's still an early signal. We have to take that with a grain of salt just now. Okay. And are the hospitalization numbers, Dr. Gorfinkel, are they a little tricky to interpret right now? Because it's not only the, you know, amount of hospitalizations and the ICU capacity, but you've got a factor in there as well. And we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. It's hit so many sectors, but of course, uh, healthcare uh, as well, that there's just so many healthcare workers that are sitting on the sidelines right now. They've been affected by uh, Omicron. Uh, they're sick or unable to go to work because they're isolating. And that has a big impact on the amount of care that we can provide. That's absolutely true. However, we are not yet at that number of hospitalizations that the hospital systems are overwhelmed. They are not overwhelmed. That's a fear that we have. The fear is if you look at the rate of hospitalizations and how rapidly they're going up, we could be in deep doo-doo if they keep going up at this rate. And that's why I say you fling open the doors and you let everybody do whatever they want. Oh my God, if we were to really do what the UK is doing, we would be in deep trouble. The number of cases would go increase like crazy. And even though Omicron, at least in the short run, is a milder disease by anyone's measure, the risk of hospitalization is only half. The risk of ICU is, is like two thirds less. The risk of death is 91% less. So great. But even if a tiny percentage of a very large number were to get infected, that could overwhelm our hospitals. 
All right, we've got to step aside, take a quick break, but plenty more ahead here with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 